There we go, buddy. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Thursday edition. My partner in crime, Jack Hirsch, is back with me between moving in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Jack boxing few, Hall of Fame. Boxing Hall of Fame, right? Jack needed a few days off. Uh, and, of course, we'll talk about that boxing um, at the end of the show. Jack, how was the Hall of Fame real quick before we start? I mean, it's always a great time. It's up at Canastota, New York. Uh, it's been a tradition with me going each year. This year, the Hall of Fame class was a little weaker than in past years. But we could talk about that yeah, later definitely. on the show. So the NBA, the NHL is all done, Jack. All their championships are played. And baseball is taking the center stage until NFL starts. And the biggest star on that stage has to be uh, Shohan Otani, uh, one of the most effective pitchers in the league, tied for the league in home runs. I think it's 21 of them. And batting uh, 301, truly a phenomenal athlete, Jack. Well, the big story surrounding Otani as the season goes along, it's going to be the offseason. He's going to be a free agent, Mac. That's going to dominate the baseball headlines in the offseason. Who's going to be signing Otani? Everyone assumes it's going to be a Southern California team. That People are looking towards the Dodgers, the Padres, possibly the Giants. And there's always a chance he'll go back to the Angels, depending on what they do this year, Mac. The Angels are a couple of games over 500. And if the Angels should make a playoff run, get in the playoffs, make a serious run to the World Series, they're trending in the right direction, maybe Altani's going to decide, this is where I want to stay. I don't want to go elsewhere. But if the Angels collapse the way they've done season after season with Altani, chances are he's not going to want to come back. And, of course, there's the specter of Steve Cohn, the Met owner, who would probably throw more money Otani's way than any other team. But let's put it this way, Mac. Uh, the highest paid salary in baseball is between 43 and 44 million. With the Otani contract negotiations, it's going to start at 50 million. That's going to be the starting point. Yeah, yeah. He could get he could have close to 60 million, Jack, uh, depending on uh, how, how high the bidding goes. So that's well, you get be... two players in one Mac with Otani. Yeah, right. You get a pitcher and an everyday player. And if you split that up, Mac, you could think, well, how much would I pay Otani if he was strictly a pitcher? And then you'd say, how much would I pay him as a non-pitcher? And you could combine those two sums, and then you add on to it the marketability factor, which is off the rails and what it could mean for the franchise financially. And it's going to be quite a pot of gold coming Otani's way. You are correct. Marina's second baseman, Lou Alvarez, uh, is chasing history, trying to become the first hitter since Ted, Ted Williams hit 400. The last player that, that came close was Tony Gwynn. And that strikes a uh, shortened season where he batted 394. Jack, will anyone ever hit 400 again? Uh Ever again, I don't know, Mac, but he's at 394 right now, Rez. 
He came from the Minnesota Twins. He was a batting champion there last year, yet they traded him because he's basically a hitter, a non-fielder. And, I mean, who knows? I mean, 400, what a mountain that is, Mac, to climb. I think we're going to get to the day, Mac, where it's not going to be the batting average. It's going to be the on-base percentage. And I kind of feel that's going to be the gold mark. I mean, we even talked about in the past debate show the hitting streak of Joe DiMaggio, 56 games in a row. But what's more impressive, Joe D hitting in 56 games in a row or Ted Williams getting on base 84 games in a row? So you kind of wonder, is the mindset going to change? Because with analytics today, that's how teams value their players, how often they get on base. But still, 400, it's it's a magic number. We've seen players like George Brett make a run at Williams' 400, winding up at 390. But when you think about how long ago it was when Ted Williams hit 400, 1941, Mac. Yeah. That was 82 years ago. 82 years ago. Yeah. I mean, you talk about analytics, Jack. And I'm not sure if analytics is 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 the answer. Um, On-base percentage is important. Uh, but if you don't have guys that drive in the runs, and a lot of teams today – go for the long ball. They don't play the small ball anymore where a guy gets on base, you move him over, you get a base hit and you score runs that way. Everybody's swinging for the fences. So analytically to swing for the fences, it isn't. So it's really interesting to see uh, how these teams, who's going to, who's going to end up in a world series. Is it going to be a team like the Phillies who hit home runs at a clip, or is it going to be a team, uh, a small market team plays analytics. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out during the year. Yeah, but Mac, 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 I think I think you're living in the past era now with small ball. Small ball is still good at times. Small ball in baseball is great if you have an outstanding, outstanding pitching who could basically shut the other team down. You try to manufacture a run or two and think that might hold up. But you're living in the age of mediocre pitching, Mac. Mediocre pitching. So you want to play small ball and manufacture one run, you know, then the other team's going to score three because your pitching might not hold up. It's that way in football too, Mac. I know I know you love to pound in the ground. Just keep right. pounding the ball. But you're living in an era where quarterbacks are stretching the field, where it's a passing game. In basketball, I know you love pounding the ball on the inside. You got all these three-point shooters. It's it's the long ball era, Mac. That's what it is. It's the long ball era. Things have changed. But with that said, the other night I'm watching the Yankee game, and the Yankees manufactured a run there with Anthony Volpe on the base path. That was impressive in that game. Yes, yes. Sounds like an interesting debate question we might have tomorrow, Jack. We'll see. Um, so in the MLB games and news, Philly beats Arizona five to four. They continue to step further above five hundred. Over five hundred. First yeah. time in a while. Uh, they're beating uh, the number one team in the in the West. A big su- surprise: the Arizona Diamondbacks. Baltimore continues with their winning ways as they beat Toronto four to two, Jack. So Baltimore has moved up to sixth in the power rankings. In the- and Aaron Hicks, Matt, we got to give it to Keith Angle. He 
he ends up. They just said, get rid of Aaron Hicks. Eat the contract. Eat the money. Who cares? These guys, I mean, I mean, Keith, I don't know what type of GM he would make. Doc would be a terrible GM. <laughs> go awful, awful. As a GM, he could be my club president. He, okay. he put it that way, but not as a GM. Get rid of Aaron Hicks. Just throw him out. And look what he's doing. He's the key guy for the Orioles. He's yeah. been playing very well. They have faith in him. And the Orioles are on a fly by night team act. They're ahead of the Yankees right now. So he went. I mean, sometimes they gotta stick with the guy. When I say stick with the guy, I don't mean longevity with how long he's with this team. Keep playing him. Keep playing him. Stay the course. He'll get better over time. And then I hear, well, Aaron Hicks, he couldn't take the pressure playing in New York. He's performing in Baltimore, but not New York. Well, he was given his contract based on what he did in New York. He's already performed in New York. Yeah. I don't want to hear this Johnny Come Lately stuff. Gary Sanchez, too. He's been contributing with... Uh, San Diego very nicely, but I'm not going to fault the Yankees as much with Sanchez because they did have him for quite a while. I'm going to fault the other teams he went to, like the Twins to a small degree, the Giants, the Mets, but just giving, letting Sanchez stop by and have a cup of coffee and not staying with him a little longer. That's true. Joe, Joe is talking about boxing. Joe, stick with us. We'll talk about them. Uh, boxing uh, at the Lopez. Big win over Josh Taylor last weekend in New York. He has a term Tiafima Lopez called a takeover. Uh, but the Philly, well, listen, the Phillies were in the World Series last year. Mm-hmm. It's yes. someone to be taken ser- unexpectedly. And uh, maybe, you know, you never know what, what's going to transpire this year. Joseph Bergman, what's your spin on the Mets, guys? Mets fans are getting disillusioned. I mean, how do you wind up? booing Justin Verlander. I mean, come on, give him a chance to straighten out. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer. He saw Young Award winner last year. He pitched really well the other night. Justin Verlander's fine. Max Schertz is fine. I know Met fans are frustrated. They've been playing poorly. But it, once again, stay the course. I mean, they're a good team all in all, and things will get better. Uh, I don't know about that, Jack. We'll see. Um Locally today, you have the New York Yankees uh, continuing the rivalry with Boston. Um, you know, at one time... Is it a rivalry, Mac? Is it really gonna, a rivalry say, right now? I was going to say, with Boston playing well and the Yankees still in the chase, it's a rivalry now. It, it, it's not a rivalry one team's dominating, the other team is not. It right doesn't now, have the same magic, Mac. Come on. Oh, of course Yankees, not. Of course Red not. Sox. I mean, if I, if I said to you... Uh, what do you consider a little more of a rivalry or his Dodgers, Yankees, not Dodgers, Yankees, because they're different divisions, but what creates more of a buzz for you? A Yankee Dodgers series or a Yankee Red Sox series? Always, always will be the Red Sox. Just the history alone, Jack. Just but that's the history. There's no history with the Red Sox right now. Well, I mean, it, it goes, comes and it goes away. I mean, it, it it when they're both good, it's good, and uh, you know, I don't know. It's it, to me, it, to me, it's still a rivalry no matter what. And uh, your your uh, your boxing co-host is in here saying anybody but Philly, and Joe. Uh, 
Oh, there you go. Bergman and Laterzo have been going at it lately. <laughs> they have. Laterzo's okay. well, so, just swinging wildly, hoping he connects. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, the A's look like they are moving to Las Vegas. Uh, the governor approving two, $250 million of taxpayer money towards a $1.2 billion stadium, while the A's uh, had a, re a reverse protest. I don't know if you saw the highlights of this, Jack. Um, and they uh, that may have turned into a goodbye, a goodbye celebration. So uh, feel bad for Oakland, uh, but uh, the fans weren't turning out. So I feel worse than them losing the Raiders because they really supported the Oakland Raiders Great fan base. Uh, the Oakland Athletics, I know they had a seven-game winning streak recently, which created a good feel story temporarily. But they've been bad. The fans haven't been turning out. And Las Vegas is such a major city now. They really deserve to have a team. I'm not saying the Athletics. I mean, if it could have been done through expansion, that would have been the ideal thing. But I think it comes down to a fans going to be supporting a team. I mean, right now, with the Orioles have been playing much better the last year or so. And the fans have been more supportive. They've, they've been turning out more. But that's the question, Mac. If you're putting a mediocre product back on the field and you're not, and there's revenue sharing, but you're not really using that money to go out to get other players, really build up your farm system. Do you really deserve to have a team in that city? I mean, if the fans aren't really showing up, and, and should the fans show up, Mac, if there's a really poor team? Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it's your team, no matter it's bad or good. But, I mean, you've got to put a team out there that the fans can 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 enjoy and that they can they can celebrate. I, I think a big question when you brought up the A's going to well, A's Oakland not supporting the A's is Las Vegas going to support the A's if they don't put out a, a winning team, Jack? Oh well, it remains to be seen. But Las Vegas too is a tourist area. Tourists always flooding into the city, and it might be something to do. I mean, if you're a baseball fan, chances are you're going to want to catch a game. If I'm in Las Vegas, okay. I couldn't care less about the Las Vegas Athletics or whatever their last name's going to be when they move. But chances are I have an off night. I'm going to want to go to the game. Mm. I'm going to want to go to the game. The casinos will be there in the day. They'll be there after the game if I want a, a deep night life. But uh, it's a tourist area. Look, it's worked out with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, Stanley Cup winners, and the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I mean, they're supportive of them. And uh, I think Las Vegas is a major city. There's a lot of people moving to Las Vegas, by the way. It's a destination place, even for a lot of people on the East Coast. Yeah, but the Knights, Jack, the Knights have were, went to the Stanley Cup once already. They went and won this time. So I see that. The Raiders, a lot of fans uh, from Oakland still claim the Raiders are their team. I see that. I don't see that with the A's. I don't, if, unless the A's put out a good product, I don't see them getting much support in Vegas. And and that's something we'll yeah. see as we go. Um, the city of Denver throws a party for the Nuggets as a parade right. as they win their first championship, beating the Heat in five. Lukic sets all kinds of NBA records. 
uh, in the finals. Jack, my question to you, is this the beginning of another dynasty in basketball? I mean, no, I, I, I don't see any dynasties. There's such parity in the NBA. I just don't see it. By the way, it was pretty shameful, that parade, what went on, the amount of violence and this and that. I'm starting to think to myself, don't have any of these parades, period. Let the team win a championship and that's it. These idiots, the night their team wins the championship, they set cars on fire, there's vandalism, there's looting. I mean, I would love to come down hard on these people. You know what I'd love to see, Mac? Someone takes a brick and they break a glass window. I would love to see them given five years of constant community service. Every weekend, they got to work nine to five, you know, sweeping up the roads, doing this, doing that, really come down hard. I'm sick of it. There shouldn't be any parades, period, when, you know, we have conduct like this. But unfortunately, you know, it happens often in the different cities. We tend to hear about the violence that goes on. Shame on the people of Denver. How about that? Congratulations on your NBA championship, your first one. So congratulations to the people of Denver. And then shame on the people of Denver for showing, you know, the world how not to act. Well, you know, Jack, that's even seeping down in the college where the Huskies won their championship. Uh, they had a lot of problems on the campus after they won the championship burning things and, and, and fights and stuff like that. So it's even seeping down into the college uh, college level as far as the celebration. It's, it's pathetic. It's pathetic, Mac. And something has to be done about it. But some things are hard to prevent. Parades you can prevent. Just don't have a parade if you have, if there's a pattern of violence that's going on during the parades you see in the various cities. Right. Um, the reason, the reason I was asking you about a dynasty, if you look at the dynasties of the past, Jack, they're all homegrown. The Celtics of the sixties and the eighties, uh, the Warriors, they all played together from the beginning. If they can keep this team together with the, with Lokic and Murray and, and their, and their cast there, I think they got a chance, Jack. I think they can win three out of next four or something like that over there in Denver. Well, what, what do you define as a dynasty, Mac? The Warriors having won four NBA championships, would you call that a dynasty? It was spread out over a number of years, but the same core players like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, were they a dynasty, the Warriors? Yeah, you know, good question. How are we going to look at the Warriors? We're going to look at them as a dynasty. Are we going to compromise and say they had a mini dynasty? Are we going to look at the Chicago Bulls, six championships in eight years, three three in a row, then two years they didn't win it while Jordan was off one of the years and then came back late in the other and then won three in a row. Did the Bulls have a dynasty? You know, I suppose the Lakers with Magic and Kareem, five championships, was that a dynasty? And are players in their prime long enough to do have the type of dynasty, let's say, that the Celtics had with Bill Russell's 11 championships? I mean, what do you define a dynasty? Yeah. I mean, I, I guaranteed Russell with the, 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 uh, the Celtics. That's no question. Well, I that think- was a dynasty. The Canadians in hockey was a dynasty. 
the Yankees in baseball with Dynasty, but there's such parody now, Mac. Yeah. Such parody. We have to ignore like what happened in the past. I mean, think of all the other NBA teams that uh, are in position to win the NBA championship. I mean, even look at the Phoenix Suns in the West. They'll have Kevin Durant from the beginning of the year. Him and Devin Booker there, even though they're going to be probably trading Chris Paul, but they should get value in return. Golden State. Did they just have a little bit of an off year? Can they reboot and can they make a run at winning the NBA title? What about the Lakers if LeBron comes back and they can add another key player to the team? What about Milwaukee, the Celtics, who ended disappointingly? You know, moves are going to be made. You know, moves are going to be made, and it takes just one move sometimes to take a team to another level. Well, speaking of a move, Kyrie Irving is looking towards the East to sign with a team. It better not be the Knicks, and I don't care. I don't care where he signs, as long as it's not with the Knicks. Knicks um, would be out of their mind uh, to offer Kyrie Irving like a max type deal. It, it, Kyrie Irving is very appealing on the surface because w- number one, you can get him without giving up anything in return. So that makes him super appealing. Plus, he's a great individual talent. Let's be honest. He's a great individual talent. But it doesn't translate into winning unless he's with LeBron. That it, It's an amazing feat by LeBron that he was able to reel Kyrie Irving in. And they were able to have the success that they had at Cleveland. Uh, it would be a mistake, Kyrie Irving, with his attitude. And how often do you think he'd play? He wouldn't be in the mood to show up to work for like a week or so, like me, like me. But we're not, we're not, we're not chasing a ring, Mac. Yes, okay. I, I hear you. Uh, Joe thinks maybe, uh, maybe with the Sixers. Yeah, listen, the Sixers have decisions to make. The biggest one has to be with James Harden. I mean, I can't see them offering James Harden anywhere close to a max deal. At this stage of his career, it's just not worth it. James Harden, for a given game, can show up and be the James Harden of old like he did in the playoffs where he got 45 points. One game was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. But it, but then for the next two games, he won't be much. Then he'll have a good game, be off two games. It's just not the answer with James Harden. I mean, think- would Kyrie Irving be good with the Sixers? I don't see Kyrie Irving playing a fully more than one year perhaps and buying in i can't see Kyrie Irving for the rest of his career being a true basketball player you know he there are other things that distract him and uh he's not the it's not the answer it would be a big big mistake you know any team that signs Kyrie Irving for big money for one given year maybe Kyrie Irving could buy in under the right circumstance, but that's as far as it would go. Um, If you were the Miami Heat, Jack, next year, what changes would you make if you were the GM? Yeah, I don't know what changes are buying in. You got Butler now to bio, and then you have some of, and then you have the rest of the team I would do everything I could, you know. Obviously, Jimmy Butler's not going anywhere out of bio. I doubt it. 
I'd look at the rest of the guys, and maybe you could steal a Zion Williamson for the some of the rest of your guys in draft picks, and you add him on, and that makes you a very serious championship contender. Good morning, Byron. Byron Williams, uh, our NFL analyst. I'm going to talk about Bradley Beal. Byron always cuts in basketball. I yes. mean, uh, Byron does know his NBA, though, so he can hold yes, his own does. in that conversation. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Good morning, Byron. But with Byron, we're going to talk a little Giants and NFL news. Byron, I'm getting tired of this this Barkley contract, as tired as I was with Rodgers and the Jets. I mean, sign them or don't sign them. Um, it, it looks like they, they put the offer back on the table. Uh, they're going to work things out, hopefully, and Saquon signs with the Giants. Wait, 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 wait one second. Why are you giving Saquon Barkley a pass and you didn't give Aaron Judge a pass? Saquon Barkley says he'd like to be a Giant for the rest of his career. Mac, this is his chance to prove it. Right. Just sign whatever the Giants put in front of you. Just right. sign it. I agree. This way he could prove he wants, he wants to be a Giant for I the agree. rest of his career. Like Aaron Judge would have left $147 million on the table if he listened to you and Doc and just right. signed it. But this proves I want to be a Yankee. Listen. Sign it, Saquon. Sign right. whatever, whatever they offer you. Not whatever, as long as it's reasonable. Byron, is this going to get worked out? I think it's going to get worked out. I really do. I feel, I feel, I feel good about it. I feel like they, they, they bring at least the eleven to twelve million dollars to the table for him. I think that's that's adequate in uh, in this market today. And and I, I just think that um, he wanted he wanted to be a giant. And I think uh, somehow. They can put some incentives in there and some other little things that would really help him to get to where he needs to be. So I'm thinking that they're going to they gonna work a good deal out. And, and Guys, am I missing something, Mac? You tell me, too, and Byron. Running backs are so devalued. And you see wide receivers getting an incredible amount of money. Now, I'm going to give you an example. I'm just come picking this out of a hat. Stefan Diggs has been a bit of a problem for the Buffalo Bills recently. And if I'm Buffalo and the Giants call me and they offer me Saquon Barkley for Stefan Diggs straight up, I make the deal. I got a weapon in Saquon Barkley there, but Saquon Barkley is only going to be making half the money that Stefan Diggs is because he's a running back. Why are running backs so devalued? Who weapons like Saquon Barkley? I'm missing something. If Eric Dickerson were playing today, he'd be getting paid. A lot less money than a cornerback. I don't get it. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. That's kind of the way these offenses have trimmed, you know, had that have uh, turned the corner for us. What what they had to do with these offenses, and and I think, you know, just um, the product the productivity for us trying to score t- over twenty one points a game have really increased the value of the wide receivers. So and the tight ends and the tight ends have been been uh, tremendously, um, you know, have turned the corner too in the NFL. They are some exciting athletes. So uh, that just devalued the fullback. The fullback is no longer considered in the National Football League. So, you know, you, you can see the trend have turned for us, you know, where the money is going. Well, I'm going to use baseball terminology for Saquon. He's a three-tool player, right? He's a great running back. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. People don't give him credit for that. He he was he he was the leader in the Giants, at least tied for the lead 
with 57 receptions, and he's a great blocker when it comes to the pass rush. So you're getting three players in one, Jack, like like you would be getting with another with with players in baseball. Saquon deserves maybe 15. I think he deserves as much as McCaffrey. I really do. But they have a cap. You know, I think that's what the holdup in this is, the cap. And, it's, of course, it's guaranteed money. I don't want to hear the number the Giants put on the table overall. I want to hear the guaranteed contract. Now, if, if Saquon Barkley doesn't come to an agreement, he gets a little over $10 million this year. And then they can franchise tag him again next year, and it would be for a little over twelve million. So it would be something like a little over twenty-two million guaranteed. Franchise tag money is guaranteed, and uh, but then you have to look at it from the team's viewpoint. Players do get injured, Mac. Okay, yeah. they're they're taking big risks as well. And then I, you got to think yourself too. What's the worst case scenario for Saquon Barkley? Let's say he's franchise tag, which he's been, and it stays that way. And he get, and this is his last year in football. You know, after taxes, he'd be making having five, six million, and he's made a few million already. He should be set, so he could be in a position. Let me keep doing this year after year, and the money's going to be there. And if I get hurt, I'm not performing. I'm not worth the money then. But you know, this is his, this is his second contract, and the second contract is the most important contract for players. You know, when they're in their twenties, so I think I think they just need to work it out because I mean that's the goal for every player to get that second contract because it's so much guaranteed money, and they're at the prime of their of their career as well. So I'm thinking that this is what he wanted to. This this is what he's been working for all his life. Well, there's one player waiting in the wings that kind of hopes Barkley takes his time coming back, and that's Eric Gray. The running back uh, that they uh, they drafted, um, you know, he's gonna get he's gonna get a lot, lot more snaps uh, in camp without Barkley there. You know, I think that most teams today use two running backs, right? They most of them use two running backs uh, to run the ball. Barkley pretty much is a solo running back. I think they gave him the ball with top three last year as far as as many times as a running back. He's one of the few running backs, him and maybe Derrick Henry, uh, Jacobs, that is the solo running back for that team. He gets breaks, but he carries the ball most of the time, Byron. Yeah, absolutely. And I I, I think, um, you know, that says a lot for him because, it, you know, it, it showed that he fully recovered from that knee injury as well. So I, I, if I was the Giants, I'd be trying to make him, make him, uh, make him a, a nice contract. But like you said, the salary cap, is the problem. You know, you can't pay everybody, and that's been the problem so far, but they need to figure out a way to be uh, creative in, in uh, creating this contract. I think deferred money or something like that uh, is a key factor, So, um, and that's going to be the problem. What happens if it comes into a tug-of-war, guys? One of Saquon Barkley's options would be just not to play next year. But if he didn't play next year, he devalues himself going forward because one year from now, his value isn't going to increase. We saw what happened with Le Levy and Bell and the Steelers. He was never the same again, right. even though he got a contract from the Jets. It wasn't any better than what he, you know, would have gotten from the Steelers. Yeah. But, but what about the Giants? If Saquon Barkley called their bluff and actually didn't play, they're cook guys. 
Their offense is doing well, nothing without Saquon, but they are cooked. I don't want to hear Robert Mark the draft of the wide receiver and Byron. You're going to talk about this or that. They're cooked without Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones is going to be so worn out from running. He runs a lot like it is. But and then, I agree with you, Jack. I agree with you because another thing, too, you just talked about it too, Matt. He helped, he helped block the backside and helped block Kel Rushes off of uh, Matt Jones. I'm saying Jones. So, I mean, yeah, you, you have to, yeah, you have to make sure that this guy is there on your team. Oh, he will be. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind they'll work something out, whether it's incentives or whatever they got to do. They'll 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 uh, they'll sign him. I know. Well, why are they taking so long? They have till July seventeenth. Saquon Barkley's a team captain, so you're also counting on Saquon Barkley to supply leadership. Because you know we use a term in boxing, pound for pound. I could say in football, position for position. Okay, and I can say Saquon Barkley is the best player on the Giants, position for position. He's a team captain. Don't you want to elevate him if you're the giant coaching staff front office that you're the leader of this team, Saquon? You know, because players look up to him. He's their star. He bails the team out with big plays. Yeah. And to see Saquon Barkley come in the locker room, and even though he's not rebelling, he's I'm sure he's subdued at this point. He's not as enthusiastic and picking the other guys up as he want, wanted to. You you witnessed this yourself when you played Byron, the great leaders on the Giants, you know, who, you know, who, who like LT, Leonard Marshall, etc., Harry Carson. If these guys are sulking, okay, you know, not, not rebelling, but not that happy, it, you know, it wears off on the rest of the team. Yeah. I, I listen. I, agree. I I really think they're gonna sign him. Though I, I somehow I think they're gonna sign him, and I think basically you know he he's a heartbeat of that team. So uh, on offense for sure. And Joe of course brings up Dalvin Cook, which is still nobody yeah. signed him yet. So we'll see what happens with that. Another big big running back still twenty. I think he's 28, 26, or twenty eight years old. Uh, he might be going to the Jets. Yeah, he's not going to the Jets. He's going to the Dolphins. Miami. That's where yeah. he's going. I agree. I agree. You um, want everybody to go to the Jets. <laughs> well, why not? If you, it's your team, yeah. why not want them? Aaron Rodgers. But the Jets are going to be tough. I'm telling you, the Jets going to be uh, tough. The Jets will end up in third place this year. So. Jets could use another running back, though. They I gotta could. Say this. They, they could. could. Paris Campbell is embracing his fresh start with the Giants. Of course, everybody knows he was with the, the Colts. Big, tall, fast receiver. Did a lot of reverses for the Colts, and hopefully he can do the same for the Giants. Uh, what do you think? I mean, our wide receiver depth is more than – since you guys back in your day, Byron, when you had a, certain receivers for certain things, I think this group has that this year too, Byron. I think so too. Uh, we was called the Parcells Fabulous Five. Each each receiver did, did something special, and I think now you got, you got some – a lot of talents and skill sets of different guys. Some can come in, like you said, run that run that reverse. And you now you you opening up the playbook. So I think that's really good. I think the main thing too, um, their receiving crew, like Shepard and those guys, need to stay healthy, you know. And and so I, I think uh with the offense that we have, the line is getting better. I think I think um it kind of reminds me of the Parcells uh, Fabulous Five group, you know, with the talents and the skill sets of the different receivers. 
Well, you know, DePaul did something he, he he learned from last year. We got a lot. We got injuries on the wide receiver and hurt us, right? Mm-hmm. We, we were playing without a really good group of wide receivers. This year, the Giants have a lot of wide receivers in that locker room uh, between the practice squad and and on the team itself. So they're 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 ready this year in case there's injuries. Let's let's take a look at Leonard Williams. Uh, he's coming up on extension, Byron. He's played yeah. well for the Giants. He wants to win. He says he wants to win a ring with this team. He wants to stand the Giants. Uh, the Jets let him go, which I'm glad they did. What are your thoughts about Leonard the Williams? Jets, no, no, Jets traded him for draft choices. I right. Well, true, true. I, I I love Leonard Williams. I think he he's a monster, and he he gonna bring he brings so much to the table. And he, you know, and that's what we need. We need a shot in the arm where we get some good defensive players. I think players that can make plays, and you know, Leonard Williams is a, is a big plus for us. I think they gonna they gonna put us in a whole different category on the defensive side. I mean, we just think about it. If you can just continue to play good defense, you know, you get close to winning that championship. Leonard Williams is gonna have a lot of pressure on them guys to be a little more of an effective pass rusher. Coming out of college, they thought he could be an outstanding pass rusher. It hasn't turned out that way. He's been a great run stuffer, a really good, solid player. But now playing, you know, on the same line as Thibodeau, who's, you know, might be lacking as far as rushing the passer, Leonard Williams is going to have to pick things up, and I think he will. And then and the good thing about that that you can do more with the defensive scheme. I think when you get get added these these special talent of players, because some can rush the A gap, C gap, or the D gap, and outside. So and in Thibodeau, you know, I think going into his second year, he will be he gonna be outstanding. I think uh, he, he came in and did more than expected as a rookie. I mean, he he, he now he, oh, he underachieved as a rookie. Come on, Byron, he didn't do. This was the fifth overall pick in the draft. Well, thank he you. Wasn't, he didn't, you know, you're not talking about him having like a great rookie year. Did he, make the, did he make the all rookie team? Did he make Everyone, the I mean, they're 32, the all rookie team. What is a backup or what? I mean, his position. <laughs> how many rookies were drafted in his well, position? Well, well, the guy was the fifth overall pick to compare to a fourth round pick. Thibodeau's going neck and neck, a guy at his position. That's let's, what all the all rookies Let's team. Hey, Byron, 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 Byron. Byron. Let's talk I want to say this. Thibodeau's going to have 10 sacks this year. All right. Let's let's talk about the real start of defense, and they signed him Dexter Lawrence. Not only yeah. can stop the run, yeah, but he can, he can put pressure and sack the quarterback. I think with him anchoring the other side of, of, of the big cat, that's what's going to open up. A lot of sacks for Thibodeau on the other side with the with the linebackers and that. So you're, the, you're saying Mac, they'll be double teaming Dexter Lawrence. Double, yes. They'll have one guy that could improve him. Yeah, I right. can see that. I right. especially if Leonard Williams is playing great. Yeah. They yes. got a concentrate on Lawrence and Williams. That does give Thibodeau a path. I all yeah. agree on that. Hey, you got to work together on the defense. Hey, line. Jack, Eric Nine, then you got to listen to. Me and Matt, because I'm telling you, we we know our stuff. <laughs> well, meanwhile, listen, I mean the Giants are going to have. It's going to be a tough year. It's going to be a yeah, tough year. I, I just can't wait to see what happens because I'm tired of hearing about the Cowboys, and I, I just think that we'll not lose both games this year to the Cowboys for sure. 
I, I so, think the Giants going to win some games that going you know, to surprise some people. A little. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Banks and what he's been doing. Young rookie has been knocking passes away uh, during the camp. Wink Martin Martindale said drafting him was like winning a uh, having a a lottery winning ticket. He's really pumped about Banks. He likes his two cornerbacks to play uh, man to man, which will give him chances blitz even mm-hmm. more this year. Byron, yeah, or at least the same amount as he did. Uh, Banks in the fourth round probably should have went higher. Uh, what do you think about uh, uh, Banks this year, Byron? Oh yeah, I I loved him from the top. I thought I thought he was in my top five defensive back coming out. He was he was definitely coming out of Maryland and uh, Devontae Banks gonna be he gonna be fabulous. I think he gonna come in and. You can see already that he's doing some things in the OTAs that they is excited about because I think too when you evaluate players coming out of college and then you see them make the transition in, in the OTAs and, and before the season starts, uh, you can't get nothing but excited because what he have done and he he's been very a shut down corner and making plays and right there with the ball. I think he's he's uh, he's a student of the game and I think that's what you're looking for. Um, and when you when you when you draft a defensive back, yeah, I I think he's going to do well this year. Next year, even better. I think this year he's going to make some rookie mistakes, which happens mm-hmm. to some of the rookies out there. Um, got to talk about one of my favorite players of all time uh, for the Giants. You know, you know, I have favorite players like Ralph Heck. I don't know if you guys remember Ralph Heck was a middle linebacker. For the they weren't that good, but I liked him. This guy, one of the first big, fast wide receivers. In, in the NFL, uh, first one to spike a football, uh, and and the reason for that, Byron, was because he's he from kept, Texas. He kept throwing the ball into the stands. He was getting fined. He went to throw the ball in the stands and decided to throw it into the ground instead. Homer Jones still yeah. has the record of the Giants at twenty-one to twenty-one point to twenty-two yards per catch, downfield threat. Uh, I don't know if you watched him play, Byron, but you must have watched some highlights of this guy. I did, and he's from Texas. He's from East Texas over there. And I got a I got a couple of texts this week and say one of your favorite players uh, who was known for spiking the football, a Homer Jones passed away this weekend. And I said, wow, man, yeah. So I I uh, my heart was sad this week, but you know I you know you just got to be real happy about some of the great players that came through the the hallway of the New York Giants because of the oh, yeah. tradition that they have and the things that they meant to the NFL. One of my childhood favorites, Homer Jones, a favorite of Fran Tarkenton. He was the Giants' big, big weapon as a receiver. You know, Tarkenton to Homer Jones, a real a real deep threat for the Giants. Uh, exciting player, explosive, a little ahead of his time. He would have thrived in today's NFL. Yeah. Jack, you yeah. know, we talk, we talk about the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, not only Homer Jones played with the Giants, played with the Browns, too. Had great, great seasons with the Browns. Um, do you think he's Hall of Fame worthy, or do you think – I mean, it's, I, I know – He has a longevity, Mac. That's the thing about it. It's a yeah. certain longevity. Having a few really good – yes, and he was on giant teams Bad. that weren't quite a championship caliber on mm-hmm. a bunch of average giant teams. So that doesn't really elevate you into the hall of fame. I, I don't know what I got. You know, sometimes a guy could have an outstanding career, but it's not, not quite hall of fame caliber. Well, I got you. 
you. Well, you know, I, I just think too. I, I think they might need to start putting them in categories because if if so, you know, then people can really uh, celebrate some of their favorite players because everybody can't get in there. It's, it's only what three hundred and seventeen guys in the Hall of Fame yeah. this year, so it's a real it's a real small number. No, well, they have things firing. They have things like a team Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like if you ask me whether Homer Jones should be in a, a giant team Hall of Fame, the Giants even have a team Hall of Fame. Never Ring of Honor. Ring yeah, of Ring of Honor. Honor. Exactly. But they, at these teams, I like them to have team Hall of Fames, a separate thing. And yes, then Homer Jones would deserve to be a giant Hall of Famer. Yeah, exactly. I know, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's on the Ring of Honor right now. I think with him passing away, uh, uh, that, that might get point. him. That might that might get him there um, if he does pass away. Um, but uh, we shall see. I don't think Fran Tarkin is even in the ring on or with the Giants either. I think it's like uh, I'm not Wednesday. sure Fran Tarkenton belongs in the Giant Ring of Honor. When you think of Fran Tarkenton, you think of the Minnesota Vikings. Oh no doubt. I mean, he no had doubt. a stint with the Giants for some years, but yeah. I don't no think doubt. Homer Jones is in the Giant Ring of Honor, and that's no. unfortunate. No, well, his death, yeah. unfortunately, might get him in. That might be the thing that gets him over the top. And isn't that, isn't that a shame? Sometimes organizations devalue players and their contribution. Uh, the Jets, for example, when they have their reunion of the Super Bowl winning teams, Matt Snell doesn't show up because he feels the Jets wronged him when he went for a job interview or something. They wouldn't give him a recommendation. Mm -hmm. He wants nothing to do with it. And Matt Snell is the real MVP of Super Bowl three, not Joe Namath. Matt agree. Snell was the best player on the field. I mean, it just, I, if he doesn't run 30 carries, 121 yards, yeah. four catches for 40 yards, then he also played some special teams. Come on. I mean, he performed clearly well, better than Joe Namath. Do, do you think they need to create some like a MVP and then an offensive player a uh, defensive player no because. no just mvp of the whole game uh, yeah, you make a good point byron i didn't like a couple of years ago when the rams won the super bowl why was cooper cup the super a super bowl mvp not sam donald don't point to me cooper cup had a his stats sam donald was the, the uh, not sam the, uh aaron donald I'm aaron, sorry. Donald. Yeah. aaron donald for the Rams was the disruptor. He was the dominate on defense. I yeah. mean, Aaron Donald should have been the Super Bowl MVP. They should, they should have gave a core two two uh, MVPs. Then they should have gave uh, a co uh, MVP to both of those guys. Because both of them, both of them was spectacular in that Super Bowl win. Yeah. Well, I would have I would have voted clearly for Donald over Cooper Cup. No, in all respect to Cooper Cup, I mean, you know. In all, in all due respect to receivers, if you get a dominating defensive lineman all game long, he's disrupting yeah. the other team's offense. I mean, there's no more value than that. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. So, Byron, uh, Ray Lewis's son dies at 28. He played college football at Miami. He was a star running back in high school. The details are unknown of, of, of how he died. Imagine that will be coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, only 28 years old, Byron. 28, and, uh, yeah, yeah, 28 years old. And, and, and I think some of these young kids don't really value life like they should. I just think 
they need to step back and and and, and keep, that's why I say you need to talk to somebody older from time to time. I mean, just get a, a good feel about what it is to be to have a fullness of life and living living life to the fullest. And you know, you can get the you can get to the wrong wrong place at the wrong time, and then your inner circle of people is very important. So you know, I I, I talk to young people all the time about their inner circle. You know who. Who are your inner five guys or five people that you're around? Who you're listening to? Um, you know, and I, I think too, you know, it's it's so much violence going on, and these kids are looking at that a lot more. And um, you know, and, and then these young kids try to do what the NFL players do. I mean, they wear flip flops, and you know, and, you, and you think, some of the things think, like that. I don't, I don't, I don't get. You know, I just do you don't think get. Byron, do you think Byron? There's a lot of pressure on a kid who's father was an nfl i mean superstar the guy was a superstar mm -hmm. you think that puts a lot of pressure on that young kid absolutely you know the first thing they first thing people are saying uh you know you you know your kids and they, they have expectations for, for those kids and and you know when they don't want to be a football player they want to do something else then you know they seem like they they let the world down or something but it is a lot of expectation on these athletes kids and they're you know when but Jamar Adams, you know, George Adams' son, you know, he, he had a whole lot of expectations. And he went on that football field always thinking that he was the best. And, and that's the way he played, uh, you know, because that's the way George raised Jamar Adams. And, you know, I saw that myself personally. And, well, uh, you know, Byron, I, I kind of take a little bit exception with that. And I'm not talking about in the case of Ray Lewis. Our hearts go out to Ray Lewis and his family mm -hmm. over, you know, a, a devastating loss. I mean, we really feel for him. But talking separately about pressures on athletes, like let's say a son of a famous athlete. Come on, the real pressure, the most pressure is on someone coming from poverty. And it's their only way out. That's a heck of a lot more pressure than, you know, being the son of a famous so-and-so. Like you take LeBron James's sons. If for some reason it doesn't work out for them, they'll be tremendously disappointed. But look at all the family wealth. They're not going to ever have to worry about paying the rent or food on the table or about their parents, okay? But, you know, you take the athletes coming from poverty. They have their one chance to get out more or less, get out from under. They're the ones under the most pressure as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I can see it both ways, but you know, I, I think the expectation of like Randy Moss son, he he playing in the USFL, I think. You know, I, I just think, you know, um, you know, they, they're expecting this kid to go to the NFL, blah, blah, blah. But you know, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, I I got some friends that 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 played um that's here in Dallas, they, and some of their kids in college, and some of them, one of them is playing not in the NFL. But you know, there there was a still an expectation of when your dad had played in the NFL. I don't think I don't think you call pressure from somebody coming from from a, a bad up upbringing or from a. I think that's more determination, a desire, a want that kid has. Uh, the pressure is put on himself uh, to do this, where the pressure from a. a a talented uh, football player comes from outside of him. You know what I mean? The kid, the kid coming from a bad, as Jack said, from a from a bad upbringing, his only way out is pressure he puts on himself to succeed. Where, as I said, the the the, the kid of the NFL star like Ray Lewis's son, it was probably pressure from the outside that did him in. So, um, yeah, two different types of pressure. It is. It is. Sean Payton says. 
Uh, worst trade in NFL history, which I don't agree with, by the way, was, as, as I continue talking this, was the Colts trading John Elway to Denver for offensive tackle Chris Hilton, quarterback Mark Durian, and offensive guard Ron Solt. Um, I don't know if the Colts had a ch- choice uh, because uh, Elway was not going there, but that was the trade they made. Um, I think I think maybe the Herschel Walker trade was a little bit worse. But, you know. Well, it should, yeah. it should be pointed out that Chris Hinton, who went to the Colts in that deal, was a seven-time pro bowler. Okay? Yeah, right. So I don't think Hinton's in the Hall of Fame, but certainly, you know, he deserves a serious look yeah. for that. So he was outstanding. Yeah. Could they have done better? Yeah. I mean, it was documented in that uh, series 30 by 30 on ESPN, the whole negotiations with Elway. I sometimes wonder if teams call a player's bluff, what's going to happen? Okay. Eli Manning, too, he didn't want to go to the San Diego Chargers. Chargers drafted him, then traded him to the Giants immediately. Let's say the Chargers never would have traded him. Either you play for us, you sit up. What happens if Elway had gotten drafted by the Colts and the Colts didn't, the Baltimore Colts didn't budge? Elway would have started out playing baseball for the Yankees, and he would have been a heck of a player, by the way, you know? He would have made the big league team. He would have been playing with Don Mattingly. But even if Elway was an all-star type player, I got to believe his heart was with football. There's nothing like being the quarterback of a team. You're the ultimate leader in team sports when you're the quarterback. There's no bigger leader than the quarterback. And that's where his heart was. That's what he was meant to do. So I think Elway would have eventually come around and went to the Colts and eventually would have played had they held firm. But, of course, the Colts were scared. They get nothing at all with the number one overall pick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember. I remember that it was. It was exactly that's the way it was because Elway. But you know, Elway was man. I mean, I remember going to the combine, and you had Dan Marino, Elway, all those guys. Uh, uh, man, it, they were throwing that ball. That was the first time I had some true talented group of quarterbacks throwing me the football. So, who did you, know, you think was a better prospect at the time, Elway and Marino? Man, I, it could have went either way. I mean, both of those guys, man, seemed like the hardest uh, ball to catch was Marino. I mean, it was like whistling that. It was coming at you whistling. And um, but you know, you had to you had to keep your eyes. You know, you had to watch the ball all the way in when Marino was throwing you that ball. But you know, Elway Elway can throw hard and he, he can he can float in that, and he's real precise as well. But all those guys, you know. Uh, was was really good. I mean, it was it was just an experience that I had when I went to the combine and and I was those guys were throwing me the football. Not something else. Let me ask you a question, uh, Jack and, and 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 Byron. What kind of success success would it Manning have had been with the Chargers or Rivers with the Giants? Who would have had more success as a quarterback? Wow. Well, you know. Those amazing questions. We never know how things would have played out. Now, I can make an argument, okay, a very good argument that Philip Rivers was a better quarterback than Eli Manning. I could make an argument, if we forget the Super Bowl games, that he had a better career than Eli Manning. You can make that argument, okay? 
But the point is this. Let's say Philip Rivers went to the Giants and he was more successful during the regular season. Could he have led them on those two Super Bowl winning drives? I have doubts. There was something about Eli Manning where at the end of the game, he was an exceptional quarterback, like an all-time great at the end, very end of the game with time running out. So I could see Philip Rivers becoming a giant, being an outstanding giant, but maybe no Super Bowl wins. And Eli Manning becoming a charger and just having a you know very good, solid career without the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's fascinating to think how things may have wound up in that uh, scenario. Listen, I could say the same thing, guys. Let's make believe for one second. Uh, Tom Brady became the giant quarterback. Would he have won any Super Bowls? And we're talking about Tom Brady here, who had seven. Would he have won any Super Bowls had he been a giant his whole career? Uh, well, he would have, yeah, because he would have won the years that Eli Manning won in all probability. But if he came up during a different giant era, would he have just been another very good quarterback? Would he have been another John Brody type? John Hadle, guys from the past. Yeah, and I, I think what have helped Eli is Peyton. You having a brother who 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 uh, having a bigger brother have helped him be calm, collective, and making good decisions. I think you know Eli. Eli is was a great great quarterback because of his brother and and then his patience. I think you know he he maximized his ability to do things that I don't think Philip Rivers could have done. I think. Two, he's a quiet leader, and and he have a certain certain style of, that he's possessing. I think you got to have that. I mean, that 2007 Super Bowl win, you know, to beat the undefeated Patriots was was not spectacular. So I'm thinking that Eli Manning is uh, is a great leader, and he learned from his brother and learned from his dad, and I think that right there put put him over the top. Well. Rivers was a was a fiery leader. I mean, he 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 was a very uh, outwardly a competitor. Um, I know the Chargers went to the championship one year. Yeah. So if Eli was there, would they have won that championship? And would they have gone to the Super Bowl? Interesting stuff. Very interesting. I, I don't think because I don't think Eli was better than Philip Rivers, and Philip Rivers was never in that situation with the game on the line going to the Super Bowl the way Eli did. You know. It, Eli thrived in those situations. Eli's overall regular season record, something like 500. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, but, but it's a team sport. I'm not putting it on Eli. I think yeah. Eli's a Hall of Famer, should be a Hall of Famer. And I think Phil Rivers, Philip Rivers should be a Hall of Famer as well, because he did have an outstanding career. What's more fascinating, guys, is when they drafted Philip Rivers, the Chargers, and made the trade with the Giants. You know, they essentially drafted Rivers. Drew Brees was the quarterback. Philip Rivers was, you know, uh, basically on the bench the first year, as I remember. And and at the last game of the season, Drew Brees hurt his shoulder and had to have surgery in the offseason. We know what Drew Brees went on to become. The char what happens? The Chargers were obligated to give the job to Philip Rivers because they drafted him so highly. But can you imagine that scenario? What happens if the Chargers had the vision to stick with Drew Brees for his whole career? 
and they traded Philip Rivers to, let's say, New Orleans or whatever, wherever. You know, who knows how history would have played out. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. So uh, you do follow the NBA, as we said in the mm -hmm. beginning. Um, what did you think about the the Denver finals uh, with Miami, Byron? I mean, Lukic, uh, is I asked Jack this. Do you think Denver is a team of destiny, the dynasty, a possible dynasty coming up with Denver? I, I think right now they have the, they have everything in place to become that. In the next three to four years, they can they can be the dynasty of the N NBA. And uh, just the way they play, the – the, the 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 way the coaches and and the and the harmonious and the team effort they play team basketball i think that's something that you Very you want to see more of and i think that's what got them to where they are i think they was real patient you know the players was healthy this year and i think now they got the they got the uh necessary pieces to to win back to back I'm going to say, guys, they didn't have Jamal Murray in past years the way they had him this yeah. year, mm -hmm. and that was a key point. But with that said, there's such parity in the NBA. One of the teams, I don't know who it's going to be, is going to make a major deal. A team that's already a serious contender, they're going to get one impact player, and that could, like, change everything. And let's be honest, this Denver team has been disappointing every year. They haven't gone to they haven't gone to the finals even until they won it this year. Yeah. And so who's to say Denver all of a sudden is going to be this dominant team? I still think there's such great parity in the NBA that it's going to be difficult for Denver to repeat. Yeah, but I think right now they, they can compete. You know, and that, they thought the same thing on Phoenix too. You know, when they when uh, when when they made some trades this week this past year, but but Denver. Yeah, I think right now um, they got to keep kind of keep the same um, mindset of what they have, and I think they could be the, the dynasty. That, I think they can win back-to-back. -back. I really do. Okay, guys. Well, we're going to take our quick promotion break. I, you got to go, Byron? Yeah, I got to go. I got to get out of here. I got I got my football camp and golf tournaments coming up, and uh, then I'm helping another organization do a golf tournament. All right, Byron, you have a great day. We'll see you uh, next Thursday. Look for Byron on Wednesdays on uh, AB Talking Shop with Jim Jeffco. Have a great one, Byron. All right. Thank you, guys. See you. Have a good week. Take care, buddy. So let me give a, let's give a quick promotion break to some of the great shows on Northeast Streaming Sports. And we'll be back very soon. If you like the sweet science, get ready to talk boxing on the Gloved Fist podcast with top boxing writers Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. Frank, a former amateur boxer out of Philadelphia, writes for NY Fights and can be seen on the Boxing Channel. Jack, an amateur boxer who competed in the New York Golden Gloves, was a six-term president of the Boxing Writers Association. And now, here's Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. He was a giant, and he was a cowboy. Now these two former rivals have joined forces to bring you the most insightful, perceptive, and controversial sports talk podcast in America. Former Dallas Cowboys defensive end Jim Jeffcoat locks horns with former New York Giants wide receiver Byron Williams. And now, here's Byron Williams and Jim Jeffcoat.
It just might be the greatest sports franchise in the history of sports. A place where legends are made, and there's always something to talk about. Get ready to immerse yourself in pinstripes. Start spreading the news, hosted by Paul Semendinger and E.J. Fagan, a couple of doctors with a prescription for Yankee fever. And now, here's Dr. Paul Semendinger and Dr. E.J. Fagan. Get ready to start spreading the news. See right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate. All right, I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate. This oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn! Hey, any? This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Thursday edition. Here with Jack Hershus was with Byron, um, yeah, with Byron Williams as he covered the NFL news, some news about the Giants, and popping in right now is our Pats. Knicks, Yankees, uh, coverage of, of, of those teams with Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk. Good morning, Keith. And how you morning, doing gentlemen. today? How are you? Happy Father's Day to you guys. Good Happy morning, Father's Keith. Day. Thank you. Father's Day. So, this weekend. Uh, yes, yes. So, Keith, uh, let's start off with some Patriots news. Now, me and Jack talked before the show. And – there was either a rumor or something where Aaron Rodgers turned down a chance to play with the Patriots. Uh, I think Adam Scheffner reported that. Did you hear anything about that? I I was just reading a little bit about this morning and something just smells wrong about the whole story, but listen, we know Belichick was out there potentially shopping Mac Jones around. At least the talk was that. So would it surprise me if there was a conversation had about Aaron Rodgers? Probably. But, again, is he coming here? He didn't like the weapons he had in Green Bay. I think he's coming here <laughs> for wide receivers. Guys, there's so many moving parts to something like that. Aaron Rodgers was going to have to want to go to the Patriots, Okay. He could have vetoed the whole thing if it came down to that. And the Packers were going to have to get the proper compensation, which yeah. they got from the Jets. And Belichick is very stingy when it comes to compensation like that. So it, it just never seemed like a good fit. No, I don't think – I doubt these talks ever got very serious if they, you know – do I think there was a passing conversation? I'm sure there was. Because sure. um, a guy that good, I mean, even with all his baggage, a guy that good doesn't come available without people at least inquiring a little bit. Right. So. That's what Jack was saying uh, before the show. Um, they're optimistic they can sign uh, Hopkins right now. Uh, this pretty much is a show me year for Mac Jones, uh, whether the Patriots decide to, to keep going forward with him or not. And, uh, of course, Hopkins would help out with that, Keith. Yeah, I mean, he definitely would help out with that. And it is a show-me year. They have to decide at the end of this year where to pick up his fifth-year option. Which, So he's either the quarterback of the future or he's not. And they got to find out. And, what again, <laughs> to be fair to him, he need they need to put the best weapons around him to be able to make that decision. I think signing Hopkins 
especially the talk is now it may go as low as $8 million, which I'd make that move in a heartbeat. With the Cowboys supposedly out of this, it's going to drive the price down. Because I've heard him anywhere from 14 to $18 million before this week, and now today I'm reading it might be as low as eight. Patriots are definitely in, in talks. There was a lot of talk. Uh, the Patriots were optimistic they might get a contract signed as early as yesterday after their second uh, day of talks, but nothing came of that. Both, I'm a little leery because once Hopkins said he wanted some time to think, the Patriots said, oh, so do we, <laughs> which yeah. I know. Um, I'm guys. I'm skeptical because the offensive coordinators, Bill O'Brien, was Hopkins' head coach for the Houston Texans, and it didn't work out between the two of them. Yeah. The only way I could see Hopkins willing to come to New England if they clearly make him the best money offer, similar to what happened with OBJ going to the Ravens. I mean, I'm sure the Ravens weren't his first choice, not even close. But the Ravens offered him by far the best deal. And if, if it's not a money thing with Hopkins, I can't see the Patriots being on the top of his list. Who's going to be throwing the ball to Mac Jones, a good game manager, credible quarterback, as opposed to some of the other quarterbacks? Oh, Ryan Hill? Oh, Ryan Tannehill? Is he better than Mac Jones? Come on. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying he's going to Tennessee. Where is he going to go? Where's his options to go to realistically? Josh Allen, not going to be Josh Allen. It's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. They don't have any money. They're not signing him. Well, Where's teams don't have – well, yeah, it's the cap once again. I mean, a bunch of teams would be lining up for Hopkins if it wasn't for the cap. But that's – it's a fact of life that that's uh, – that's what they got to deal with, right? They've got like 1 million. I think the, the, the Kansas city's only got one point something million dollars under the cap and the bills are like at 3 million. That's not getting it done. He's not signing for that kind of money. And I don't think the bill O'Brien, the bill O'Brien thing is not as big a deal as people think the head coach is bill Belichick Hopkins and Belichick have this bromance going and they've had it going for a little while now. And uh, that's what really matters. The the relationship between the offensive coordinator and a player and the head coach and a player is far different. And I think, I think that's water under the bridge. It was quite a while ago. Now they've all been, they both been through a lot of different stuff since then. And I think this would not be a problem if you were to come here. And I don't think it will factor into the decision at all. Just my opinion. The Patriots release running back James Robinson uh, played pretty well for you guys last year, Keith. Well, I played for the Jets last year, so. Uh, he didn't true. play well for the Jets. True. He didn't yeah. play well for, the, well for the Jets at all. Yes. They signed him for $4 million just two month or two or three months ago, which is a little odd. I mean, obviously, he something happened in OTAs that they didn't like. and. Uh, what happened to James Robinson? He was really good at Jacksonville for a no, while. No. Then Urban Meyer came aboard, and he was diminished yeah. at Jacksonville, and he could never get back on track. Could be a confidence thing. I mean, he could have been just the situation he was in before Meyer got there made him better. You know, there's a lot of things. It's a quirky league, right? You're on top one day and you're one year and the next year you're out of the league. Um, So he's just one of those guys that probably had a fluky good uh, year and then circumstances caught up with him. Well, I mean, listen, I, I he did play well with Houston, that's for sure. So He did. Uh, he did. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Malik Cunningham trying to follow in Edelman's uh, footsteps, mm-hmm. going from quarterback to uh, what slot receiver, I guess, is what he would be doing. Probably uh, that would be where he would play. And that would be an interesting. He's a good athlete. Um, 
you know, Patriots have a history of doing this uh, with Edelman, obviously, and it worked out very well. Oops, sorry, I thought I lost you guys there for a second. Um, yeah, I think this is a, a, especially with the rest of the uh, wide receiver core, I think this is a, certainly an experiment that's worthy uh, of trying. Remember, they also used uh, uh, at, in the slot and also out of the out of the backfield. They also used Jones. Uh, uh, which Jones? They had so many Jones last year. I want to say Jack Jones, but they used him a lot. I have to look at the depth chart, but they used him a lot out of the backfield last year on offense. Um, and he's their main special teams guy too, uh, returning kicks, uh, if that even matters anymore, by the way. Uh, but I think I like this. Uh, I like this experiment because it worked so well the last time. And this kid's a, uh, theoretically, I would tell you, he's a better athlete than Edelman, uh, by the yeah. way, too. So I think this could be this could be something that's a diamond in the rough. We'll find out. Well, Edelman didn't have to be a great athlete. All he had to do was catch the ball, and he could do that very well. He, he could know. catch the ball, yes. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't remember dropping any big passes in a Super Bowl like his predecessor there. Uh, I, I hate to name I, his name, I, Welker. I saw some unbelievable catches he made, highlights of those, were off the ground, yeah. off his head. Oh, Edelman, Edelman when, the, when the moment was big, he came up big all the time. My problem with his predecessor, who people think should be in a Hall of Fame for some reason, Wesley Walker. Sorry, he dropped the biggest pass of his career. We lose to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Sorry, game's over. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter though. I'm not bitter. I know you're not, Keith. You gotta, you got It's the pass, Keith. Uh, the Yanks uh, coming off a split with the Mets. You know, Keith. Let's face it. For all the money spent on both of these teams. They're basically average teams uh, get paid millions of dollars. Uh, what, were your thought, what were your thoughts on the two-game series? I, th- it was, I thought the games are ugly. For most part, those games are ugly to watch. The defense was bad, on, at least especially on the Mets side. Um, the, the Yankee bats trying to pick it up for Judge are not doing that well. Brizzo needs to pick it up. Uh, obviously, Stanton needs to pick it up. DJ hit, started to hit the ball a little bit better in that series. But overall, I saw, as you saw, I saw two mediocre teams playing. Uh, the, it's ironic because the Yankees will be better once Judge comes back and probably will be okay. The Mets have no real savior on the horizon. There's no guy to bring up from the minors to give him a big boost. They're not going to fire the manager. Uh, they don't have a guy coming off the injury. Well, Alonzo coming back. That's the savior. Well, you're, all right, I'll give you Alonzo. But the problems were still there before Alonzo got hurt, I guess is my point. It's a question of teams having – players just having to play better. Orlando was struggling early in the year. He had a good outing let finish, against the Yankees. Let me, let me finish my thought, though. What I was going to tell you was, ironically, the Mets probably have an, a better path to a wild card than the Yankees because I think the competition in the National League is much more mediocre than the six or seven teams the Yankees are going to battle for a wild card with in the American League. Well, right now, if the season ended, the Yankees would have one of the wild card positions. But they so don't end after some, the season doesn't end after 72 games. So that's right. But, but players have been out, like Ron Doan, Montes, for their pitching. I'm staff, not seeing this team being healthy. I mean, yeah. the problem is they should improve as the year goes along. And Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge has been out, so that the path is there. The, pro- the path is there to the playoffs. The problem is the team is in a whole lot differently constructed than the team that keeps losing to elite pitching in the playoffs. 
that's part of the problem. Which I, which I've got to kind of take it to task, Keith, wanting to get rid of Aaron Judge so quickly. You and Doc Semending, and look what he's doing for Baltimore. He's a key oh. contributor. That thrilled with Aaron Hicks in Baltimore. You threw me off when you said Judge. You said Judge, yeah. Uh, judge. Oh, yeah. Aaron Hicks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I figured yeah. that out when you said Baltimore. You know yeah. what? What he's doing in Baltimore or anywhere else is irrelevant to me. He can't do it in New York, and that's he all. Can. Right. He got his contract based on what he did in New York. One year. That's why they gave him the. Oh, but that shows you could do it. You do it one year, you can six. do it. Out of six. Okay. <laughs> no, on. but they got his contract on that. The no. Yankees should have stayed the course. Just keep playing judge every day, not two days playing, two days off. So he could win the MVP in Baltimore, and I was still going to tell you he, we're better off with that. No, I didn't, I didn't like it. I said it at the time. And now imagine he could come back and haunt the Yankees. He's not a great player, but he's good. At, he's better than the guys they've been platooning. You know, for the time being, I would have liked the stability of having Hicks there full time. Yeah, so he could hit 160 here. I get it. But how about Gary Sanchez? Should we bring him back too? He's got six home runs. I can understand a little more, even though he's getting it done. The Yankees really did give him a lot of time, and they stretched it out. It finally got to the point with Sanchez. We hope you could perform elsewhere. But he was with the Yankees, what, like seven years? You know, it gets enough to know. How can you tell me that they gave oh, Sanchez? But the Yankees milked Sanchez out to the bitter <laughs> end where he just couldn't play. The Yankees were playing Hicks some of the time and not some of the time. They wouldn't like how he looked one day, so they wouldn't play him the next day. The Yankees stood with Gary Sanchez through thick and thin. The Yankees didn't do it with Aaron Hicks. They did for a long time for the last two years. Sorry, they did. He was either hurt or did not play well. I think they gave him plenty of opportunity. Probably the Orioles pounced. They said there's a lot of good baseball they see in this guy. And I saw it too. And he's performing. Look, he's not, I'm not saying he's going to be an all star, but he's going to be a decent player for Baltimore going forward. And he's going to be contributing. He's going to be a good player. All in all. I'm happy for him and I'm happy for Baltimore. I'm just happy he's not on this New York roster. I think when he I think he was when he was with the Yankees, Jack, and and when Yankee games came on, you were putting on games of him playing that one year where he earned his contract is and that's all you were watching. You gotta well, watch you know, the playing now. Listen, hopefully hopefully he plays well for the Orioles and the Orioles do good and then and we'll see. And the Orioles are very hot right now. So, so everybody uh, wins. Everybody wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he better than Jack Bauer. He wouldn't be Jack Bauer. I keep calling J- Jake Bauer. <laughs> I keep calling him Jack Bauer. Jake Bauer's been playing well all in all, like, you know, regardless of any numbers. But uh, I don't know what his upside is. I'm, I'm not sure what to make out of him. Yep. Have, have, you, have you heard anything about the judge injury? Is he coming back for the season at all? Yeah, he'll be back. They keep now. They they keep saying you know week, two weeks, and uh, my guess is this is going to linger for a while, uh, based on what's happening. Um, but I don't have any doubt he'll be back. Maybe we won't see him for the All Star break. Maybe, um, but that's yeah. fine. Uh, they just can't fall out of this race completely. I mean, the offense is totally different. You can see the difference in in that offense without him there and without Aaron Hicks there, obviously. Um, that was a joke, by the way. But, uh, um, but the other guys, listen, Rizzo's got to pick it up. DJ's got to pick it up. 
Stan's got to pick it up. Those guys need to earn their money now while the while they're uh, big guys out for a while. That's all. Just stay in a race, and you don't have to set the world on fire. Just don't get any worse off than you. Keith, I don't think any team in the major leagues would miss a position player as much as the Yankees have missed Judge. I won't disagree with that. Yeah, I agree. It hurts that lineup a lot. I agree, yeah. too. Um. Let's see. We've got uh, what else we got left with the Yankees here? They're playing Boston. I think it's a three game series. Do you consider this still a rivalry, Keith? <laughs> yes, because fan, every fan does. I mean, it's still the, the atmosphere is still there in a the ballpark when they're playing. Uh, it's different than some other games, but it's it, <laughs> and Boston's been, you know. Boston's better. It wasn't a, if if it was a rivalry for all those years when Boston was no good and the Yankees were good. It's funny because I remember back in the seventies uh, and eighties, the uh, the line was you can if you consider this a rivalry, then you got to consider the relationship between a hammer and a nail a rivalry as well, which I thought is one of the best lines ever. Uh, no, I don't. I think the names are still magic: Yankees, Red Sox. I agree. But we don't look at players the way we used to look at guys like Cliff Lee, Carl Yastrzemski, even though Yaz was loved, you know, Jim Rice, and then late on the hated guys like Pedro well, Martinez, Kurt Schilling, Manny Ramirez and company. You look at today's Red Sox players, there's no negative emotion towards any of the players. Well, there's some courts Devers with uh, Cole. I know that, but uh, <laughs> he kills him. Yeah. But you got to remember, too, players, I think the rivalry is there for the fans, but for the players, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit, Jack, I think, for the players, it's not the same. The players hated each other. Thurman and Fisk hated each other, yeah. right? I mean, we don't see that kind of animosity with players now. There's a lot more fraternization on the field between opposing players than ever before. Um, and I think that's where the big difference is in the rivalry. It's on the field, in the stands, I think it's still there. Yeah. Um, a little Knicks news. All kinds of news of trades and free agent signings, a bunch of rumors. We've got Beal coming to the Knicks, Zion coming to the Knicks, Corazinga back coming back to the Knicks. Um, you see, you see any of those things happening, Keith? God, I hope I don't want any of those guys. I really not Beal. If I didn't want him to be Beal, I don't want Zion and his his harem of porn stars coming here. That he'll be a disaster. No, 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 Keith. Once again, your your conservative nature is not going <laughs> to win a team a championship. By the way, Zion is a great player. You take a chance. You take a chance on him. I mean, if if New Orleans somehow takes a package with Obi Toppin and if you resign quickly and you could put that type of package from, I grab Zion in a second. The question is, would you trade an RJ Barrett for Zion? Not That's today. No, no, I, no, I wouldn't. I mean, again, Zion, Zion's not a bad person. He's had a little difficulties. He's not a, a you know, a diva more no. or less. He's been hurt. But if Zion is healthy and raring to go and he's in peak form, you might be talking about a top five NBA player if all cylinders are running. I might be. And your key again, if I take the the you know the headlines out of the equation with, with what's gone on recently, you're right. He doesn't have a reputation before recently as being any kind of bad guy or bad teammate. My problem is he hasn't shown he can stay on the court. 
Barrett, for all his for all his uh, faults, he's durable and he's a, he's an effective player. I would not trade Barrett for Zion Williamson today. I wouldn't do it. He's got a Barrett's show. A little but has Barrett peaked out? Is he as good as he's ever going to be? And he might he slide a little backwards, if anything. He's twenty-two years old. I don't think he's peaked at all. He's 22 years old. You people forget that because he's been here so long. He's a kid. Young kid. Young kid. Young kid. Um, what about Corazinga? You think there's any chance of him coming back? I think, I think there's a I think there's a chance that could happen. And um he's a nice player too, but uh again, he I'm a, I, you can't be building a team around him like they thought they were gonna do the first time. Um, it would be a much different situation, and if he accepts that situation, he might be a decent addition to this team. Um, but that said, I find it hard to believe we're going to have that type of reunion. Why would they want him back? He made life miserable for the Nick organization. He forced his way out. Why on earth would they want him back? I mean, I wouldn't accommodate him and ask him to come back. You have to be a major, major star me to welcome you back. I hear things like, too, Carmelo Anthony, should the Nuggets retire his number? Are you kidding me? He forced his way out of Denver. Good riddance to you. Don't come back and start asking, is my number going to get retired? No, don't retire in New York either. He forced his way out of here. Jack, Jack, that was a different different coach. I mean, it was a different situation. I don't care. He didn't want to be here. It wasn't a coaching problem per se. It was an organization problem why he didn't want to be here. Other than the owner, the entire organization is different now, too. From top to bottom, it's all different people in charge. and And he's grown up probably a little bit in the last six years as well. Again, he's got to accept the fact that, and I don't know that he will. I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to accommodate him if I think I can bring him in and he can make this team better. I'm not going to accommodate him by bringing him back because he wants to come back. Um, well, the Knicks. You have to look at the Knicks chips. What they can trade. Julius Randle's just not in demand. So no. whatever you're going to get for Julius Randle, you're better off keeping Julius Randle. You're not. It, let's be honest about it. Sometimes you're better just bearing, you know, with what you have. Obi Toppin's the main chip, his yeah. potential. But you're not going to get a star for Obi Toppin, but he could be a, a part of a deal for Bradley Beal. Obi Toppin, and what else can you add to that deal? Like maybe four players. Maybe if you're willing to be bold and give a couple of number one draft choices on top of OB Toppin, maybe you get Bradley Beal here. And sometimes you got to make these deals because the Knicks aren't going to win a championship the way they're, they're construed right now. It's just not going to happen. With a Bradley Beal, it gives them more, more of a shot. But well, they also gives them like ten guards. I mean, I mean, how many guards are you going to be able to play at once? That's the problem with bringing how another. How many better than Bradley Beal? I mean, let's look at it that way. How old is he? Thirty. Well, he's got. Uh, yep, yeah, about. He's been around a while, but he's got some prime years left. You know. What worries me about that guy? Why do I think a guy? And again, I understand the organization and. There's been times the Wizards have tried to, to win, and there's times it appears they don't try to win. But he's never been on any kind of winning team, and I don't know that he's going to come in here and put the Knicks over the top when he doesn't have a reputation of being a winner himself. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Um, he's a great player. He puts up great numbers, but that doesn't always – Well, let's talk of Damian Lillard being 
possibly on the trading uh, he's, he's not coming here. He's not coming. I don't here. think he they're bringing. In, I don't think they're bringing in a guard. I really don't. I think he, they're bringing he, in front court help. He's happy where he's at. I, that's what I heard anyway. Um, what? So we run back the same team. We add a couple pieces. Get rid of some of the people that we don't. I mean, even we got. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're going to do with Fournier and players like that. But I, if you add maybe a, a another maybe another Ford or whatever, whatever. maybe another uh, uh, maybe another Ford. So so we so we have Randall. We've got uh, Brunson. We've got Barrett. Got to sign Hart. Uh, what do you think? I mean, can we make a run? We, we were close. We were freaking close. We're close. My problem is Randall, and one of the reasons he may not be in demand is Jack was talking about whether we've seen a ceiling. I think we've seen his ceiling, and the problem with him is he does not come up big in the big moments, which people watch closely, right? And uh, that's my biggest problem with Randall. I like all the other pieces here. And I like Randall for the most part, but he hasn't shown me in those big moments he can carry the team when he needs to, like other superstars do. Like Jimmy Butler did for the Heat in a lot of situations going through this playoff run, who I think overall Randall's as good a player as Jimmy Butler. I really do. Not in the big moments when the team needs you to carry him, though. In the playoffs, not in the regular season. Yeah. Um, so, again, this team is still very good. I would like to see him add to the, to the front court a bit. I think the guards will continue to mature and play better together. I think Randall's the big question mark here and uh, what they try to do with him. Like Jack said, there's not a lot of a market for him. That's the problem. Um, and you're not going to trade him for less than value, I don't think. So it, it's going to be very difficult to make this team better based on uh, the way they are situated right now. I had something else I was going to add there, and it totally went out of my head as we were talking about that, though. Damn it. Well, well I, I mean, Keith, the, the, the way I look at the Knicks is we, we lost to a team that went to the went to the finals. They beat Boston. They beat uh, they beat the Bucks. We're, we're not that far away. We're really no. not. Maybe no. one player. I agree. It's a matter of whether the guys we just talked about can get them over the top into the next uh, – plateau which hopefully they can look at you know who knows i mean the heat went on this great run nobody expected them to go on 38 seed and to me the nba is uh once you get to the playoffs it's just a new season get to the playoffs it's a brand new season and that's where you got to win Knicks did well they played with some injuries that held them back i don't want to make excuses for them either the heat just beat them but you know they had some injuries that held them back and they know they're not that far away it's a question of whether they can make the next step I think if Randall was healthy, it'd be a totally different series with the. You might be right. You might um, be right. Ray Lewis's son. We we talked about this with Byron. Get your take on it. Uh, he dies at 28. He played college in Miami. He uh, was a, he was a high school running back. Ran for like 2,000 yards. Scored unbelievable amount of touchdowns. Um, he died at 28 years old. Details are unknown right now. Um, we were talking about pressure, Keith, of, of being a son of a, of a superstar, which Ray Lewis was. But he had his problems with the law, too. But he was a superstar. And me and Jack were talking with, with Byron about this. What do you think about the pressure these young kids uh, playing playing football like he did under a superstar dad? I, I think there's... I think there's probably a lot of pressure and, you know, especially when you're named after your dad doesn't help you any. Right. I mean, that probably adds to the pressure. Um, 
it it hurt it hurt him at Miami, I think, and he probably was best moving on from Miami. I think he finished up his career at Division Two at Virginia Union, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, but they had a great thing to say about him. Uh, the, the associate head coach or the head coach uh, had some great things to talk about him being a very good young man, a good teammate. Um, so I don't know what the circumstances are. I don't think anybody does. What happened? Here. But you know, I, I don't know what the family situation is. But again. Ray Lewis isn't my favorite guy. This point too is a, as a role model for anybody, but I don't know what their situation was, and I'm sure that we'll probably hear a lot about what happened here in the coming uh, weeks and months. But it's a, it's always sad when a young man loses his life like this. At, what is he? Twenty eight years old. Twenty eight. Yeah. Um, you know, he had his whole life in front of him. So I hope other players, whatever happened here, people can learn from whatever happened to, to him. And you're right. It's the pressure on these guys, their namesakes are, are superstars and Hall of Famers is just tremendous. I don't think any of us can ever understand what they must go through. It, it seems it seems like the Suns don't have as good as career as your dad's. Phil Sims, son, uh, you know, Dan, um, uh, Frank, recent son, they don't seem to play you know, the same level. Um, yeah, wait, 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 wait. There, there are a lot of cases where they do. Come on, Ken Griffey, and I could name some of the great stars. Yeah, you know, it goes both ways. The Mannings, too. I agree with that, too, Jack. Yeah. I mean, both did have a better career. Um, uh, don't know if Philly guys coming in. So let's start with some boxing news, Jack. Sean Porter picks Crawford over Spencer. Uh, is Crawford the yeah. favorite? Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, it's, Sean Porter is an authority because he did fight both of them, okay, and for both of them in their prime. So uh, he after I was at that fight in Las Vegas when Crawford did stop Sean Porter in the tenth round, and after the fight, Porter said uh, Crawford was the best fight he ever fought. But you know, it was a better version of Porter who fought against Spence. I mean, listen, it's a great matchup. I wish it had taken place a little earlier, but. Uh, boxing needs this fight. I mean, it, it's really going to create a buzz on July 29th. I'm even getting the pay-per-view. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Did Frank buy it for you, or did you get it yourself? If Frank gets anything. He's addicted. I wait for value, <laughs> and I'm going to give in to this one, even if the undercard's not that good. You know, okay. I'm going to give in to it. Tim Tissue. I know Tim's I'm not sure. Yeah, Tim versus Carlos Ocampo this Thursday, Jack, on Showtime. How big a fight is this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Thursday fight because it's taking place in Australia. It's easy to forget it's not on the weekend. It's big for Tim Zhu because Tim, Tim Zhu had a title match set for a junior middleweight belt against Jamel Charlo. Uh, but Jamel Charlo got injured, and he's keeping busy. This is his second keep busy fight while Charlo reportedly is healing from the injuries and Tim Zhu is doing it the right way. He's not just sitting and waiting for title shot. He's taking a risk because if he loses Ocampo, who's not a bad fighter, he loses the title shot. But with that said, it being in Australia, Zhu should prevail. Okay. Uh, the WC president, Mor Mauricio. Uh, Coleman, yeah. Yes. Uh, he says he expresses regret. WA light heavyweight champion Dimitri Bivol uh, has something to do with fights not involving Russian athletes, Jack. 
what is that all about where where they're they're not they're not what are they're not they're not sanctioning these fights or i'm not yeah R russia's they're claiming they're not the wbc but listen mauricio suman is a nice guy a really good good person you know i know him but sometimes the way the wbc goes about doing business is questionable if it involves something with canelo if Bivar was willing to have a rematch with Canelo in Mexico, you know, the WBC would sanction it because, you know, Canelo's Mexico's favorite son and their Mexi Mexico City-based organization, the WBC. Listen, can Bivar help it because he's Russian? I mean, are we to ban him from boxing anywhere because he's from Russia? Okay, I mean, I think not. I mean, even even um, uh, Scully's fighters for Russian, they're not banning him from fighting, Jack. Well, are the better beef, you can make an argument there's a gray area. Even though he's Russian, he's lived in Canada yeah. for a lot of years. So that's that kind of like gray area. Right, right. Um, we talked about the, pr the price for Terrence Crawford. It's going to be like $84.99 versus Spence. So the Boxing Hall of Fame, Jack, you were at the induction. Give me your thoughts on that. Maybe who shouldn't have got in, who should have gotten in that didn't. I mean, what do you think? Well, you know, I've been going every year since 1991. I've only, I, I've missed three years since 1991. Uh, two years, I should say. I'm sorry. And they used to be the legends of the sport when they first started the Hall of Fame getting inducted. The Muhammad Ali's, the Sugar Ray Robinson's, the Joe Lewis's. And now it's gone to the point we have, what, the Carl Brocks, the Tim Bradleys, the Raphael Marquez's, you know? So it's kind of been diminished to a large extent, like any Hall of Fame. And this is no knock on the Boxing Hall of Fame, per se. You're putting in the best of what's available. And it's become that way in baseball and football. It's the Hall of the Very Good now. It's right. not no longer Hall of Fame's. Don't take into account who are the immortals, who are the all-time greats, who are the legendary players. If you're a very good, solid player, you talked about as being a Hall of Fame. Like in baseball, we saw Scott Rowland getting in. Scott Rowland's the equivalent of what Tim Bradley is getting in the Boxing Hall of Fame. You can make an argument they belong there. Same thing with Carl Frock this year. But, you know, and they had one woman boxer, Alicia yeah. Ashley. She is talking the longest time, and I'm looking for what she really accomplished. It's a nice story, the way she came from a tough upbringing. But, and you're looking at the women categories, outside of a Christy Martin, perhaps. I mean, how many women really paid their dues in the sport? And I, we hear stuff, well, they're pioneers, they're the best <laughs> of the women. But they haven't really like play, fought on a high level, and there hasn't been a, a tremendous amount of great competition to make a lot of them worthy. But of course, it's politically incorrect for me to say something like that, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's true. Yeah, Scully was going off about that uh, first female boxer. He says he she had like one fight. She made Jackie a Jackie Conawanda. Yeah, yeah, I met her. She was a, she got in last year. She was a, and it, she's deceased. She's a lovely person. 
Uh, she was labeled as the female Ali, and she was a big name in women's boxing during the 70s. But the problem is she only had one fight in the whole career, and she lost that fight. Right. Okay? But because she was a pioneer, she took the New York State Athletic Commission to court to get her license. It kind of made a pioneer. And we'd always hear about her name being on the news as the female Ali. But she wasn't a real fighter. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't a real fighter at all. But they you tried to justify, well, she was a pioneer. Her name was in the news. So that made makes her worthy of being a Hall of Fame. And that's what supporters are going to say. But, you know, I don't think she should be in the Hall of Fame. Imagine that one fight. And you lose the fight and you're in the Hall of Fame. That's that's pretty good. Uh, Pags isn't here right now. Let's go over a little uh, uh, Philly sports. Philly's back at 500, creeping uh, something what they did last year too. Um, J.T. Rilamuto hits for the cycle. Uh, catch a real – I mean, I mean, a, a lot of people complained about his, his play last year, but he's really uh, playing some good ball this year, guys. He got into a little uh, uh, altercation with Tori Lovello in that game, I think, too. The the Diamondback manager, the same game um, when they were, he thought they were, Lovello thought they were throwing at uh, uh, Carroll, I think, Corbin Carroll. Um, but Lovello, I'm sorry, Rilamoto is a really good player. He's probably the best catcher in baseball. He's also a good defensive catcher, too. Yes. And you don't see that combination much anymore like you might have in the old days. You don't see – they're either a good hitter or they're a good fielder and hardly ever both. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, hitting for the cycle is impressive because especially when they come up for their final at-bat and you know what they need to get. The hardest hit to get is obviously a triple – let me – that's exciting when they do hit for the cycle. Guys, what's the most exciting play in baseball? I think it would come down to two plays, stealing home the way Connor Falefa did the other night and the Yankee Met game. That was exciting. To that steal. is. Or the inside the park home run. Um, stealing home, I think. I would put stealing home there myself, and you don't see it as much today uh, either. Rod Carew was a was the champion of stealing home bait of uh, stealing home. Billy Martin taught him how to do it, um, yeah. and it was really it was an exciting play. And you know what? It deflates other the other team too. That's the thing. It's 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 it has the uh, it has a couple of effects on uh, team. Obviously, it gets you a run, and it also is very uh, uh, good at bringing the other team down. I think. The batter better be aware that you're stealing home not to swing at the pitch. So it's advisable if you're going to steal home, it should be with a left-handed batter. At least yeah. you get coming low, yeah. That, and I wouldn't – and head first wouldn't be advised, That's, you know, that, either. But it's so it's so exciting. But you're right, about Keith, about mentioning Billy Martin teaching Rod Carew. Billy Martin used to say that stealing home is the easiest base to steal. Obviously, I, I, I don't know. buy into that. I don't but know. what he meant to say, you could really line line things up, and uh, it it takes a lot of guts to try to steal home plate. Well, that's that's all on the pitcher. I mean, the pitcher he, he goes from the full windup. I mean, it's not that hard as you think. If he's if he's if he's uh, you know pitching from the uh, from you know from the stance of holding batters on, it's a little bit more difficult. If the guy's going to wind up, the guy's almost all the way home before he throws to the 
throws it at you. Let me tell you what's funny about Falefa stealing home plate. Uh, the pitcher obviously was asleep at the switch, but it seemed like he threw at the batter because had he hit the batter, <clears throat> the steal would have been disallowed and the runner would have had to go back to third base. So it was interesting that it looked like he was trying to hit the batter at some point because the throw home was, you know, on the other side of the base, clearly yeah. on the other side of the base by far. Yes. Um, some Flyers news, uh, former Chicago White Sox. Patrick You're killing Scott. us, Mac. This should be for Pags. I, mean, I know, I know. Take over the Flyers and, and from. Patrick returned into the NHL job with his first team, the Flyers. Gretzky, uh, of course, is uh, saying that Mr. Snyder's looking down and he knows the right Flyers. Um, this is just a matter of the guy going back to his his team from the from the uh, uh, from the Chicago uh, uh, Blackhawks, and uh, hopefully the Flyers can start rebuilding their team the way they uh, were at one time. As of course the Flyers, when they're good, uh, the NHL is is better. So guys, uh, cut the show short by about fifteen minutes today. Thanks for coming in, Keith. Thanks to Byron Williams. Uh, check out Keith on his TGI Sports talk show. He has three different shows. And uh, yeah, check out his site. He's on Instagram, all over the place, Roku, YouTube. So, and uh, catch me and Jack tomorrow on a debate show with Dr. Paul as we debate some of the uh, hottest topics in sports. Is Aaron Hicks one of those topics tomorrow? Aaron Hicks is not one of the topics. The Yankees are playing the Orioles in the playoffs, and he's in the lineup. That's going to have a little soap opera effect. Uh, we'll get, let's get there first. It might. It might. <laughs> uh, good for Hicks. We'll see you guys tomorrow on the Saturday Sports Day. Thanks, guys. Take Thanks. care.